Welcome to this episode of Behind the Counter, The Beanery. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Adrian. And, and together, together we're spilling the beans. On this episode, we are speaking with Blaze Gregory, Bayou Church member and local business owner. Yeah. So I just met Blaze for the first time just a few minutes ago. So I'm super excited to hear what he has to say and hear what his story is all about. All right, we are here with Blaze Gregory. Blaze, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Blaze Gregory. Uh, I've been at the Bayou for coming up on 20 years, actually. I think it was 05 uh, when me and my wife, wasn't a wife at the time, uh, started coming here. Um, she actually grew up here at East Bayou Baptist. And um, then we got married in 06. We have two beautiful girls, Addison and Ashlyn, 14 and 13. They are awesome. I love them. They are great. We decided to, you know, spread them out a little bit. So they're 17 months apart. But yeah, that's 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 pretty good though, because then they they're kind of like buddies. PFS. They are. They are. Do they fight just as hard as they love each other, or no? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay, a little bit. Yeah, I find that with like siblings that are close. Like, man, they can really go at it, but they also just love each other. No, too, they so. do. No, I love your girls. They're awesome. Mm -hmm. So you met Rebecca, your wife, here? No, did not. Met her at a wedding. Did you really? We did. And we actually have a picture of the first time we met. Oh, that's precious. That's I like cool. that. Yep. That's sweet. And I love your wife, too. She's she great. is awesome. I love her so much. Yep. So we really wanted to ask you, um, well, first tell us a little bit about what, what you what you do. I know you're a member here at the Bayou, but what yes. do you do professionally? So I'm a mechanical engineer, um, and I started an engineering firm called Gregory Consulting and Controls back in 2015 at the end of that. Um, and then, so yeah, just made eight years. It's been going strong, um, up to almost 50 employees now, and Two different states. We have a location in Denver, Colorado as well, too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You, you travel to Denver a lot, don't you? I do. Okay. Amongst yeah. other places, but yeah. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. So we really wanted, we were very curious to hear, because you've been on, you've been to Alaska for a missions trip. Yes. Have you been more than once? Five times. Five times. Oh, wow. Yes. So it started in 2017, and the church has been doing it for, I think, close to nine or ten years at that point. Um, Greg Batto actually was the leader when I first went. Okay. okay. And it was his, I think, seventh time that he had went. Um, so that was kind of interesting stuff, too, because he had a lot of backstory from different people that have gone and everything else, too. But he also knew everybody. So it was nice to get to meet the people. that. Uh, and that's one thing, too. So we would go at the end of the Iditarod race. Mm -hmm. So Alaska is the largest state. Yes. In the U.S., right? It also is the least populated. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brenda Krim or ever heard the name. Mm -mm, no. So because people would probably think, why does Lafayette, Louisiana go to Alaska? We don't have snow. We don't know any of those kind of things. So um, the BCM director, I don't remember the tenure that she went, but she was the BCM director for like nine or ten years, uh, Brenda Krim. And then she had left and became a bcm director in anchorage alaska and then at that point she had uh figured out a calling to start alaska missions and so 
And she figured out very quickly, uh, she's probably close to her 20th year now. So I guess I'm kind of giving a little bit of time frame. But in order to impact or to, to meet people in Alaska, you need to figure out when they're together. And so she tends to figure out things like the Iditarod races, one. Okay. Um, there's a salmon frenzy that goes on um, when, you know, the, the salmon are running. You may have heard of that. Oh, They're coming no. in from okay. from uh, the ocean and going inland. And so there's a big gathering, a big kind of like summer festival for that. There's all these kind of little things that kind of happen. And so she just figured out, well, then this is when everybody's going to show up. God. I'll show up too and have an opportunity to minister to people. That makes sense. Because yeah. most of northern um, Alaska is just littered with a whole bunch of little villages, you know, three, four hundred people. And so if you start, okay, well, I have to get a bush plane and I got to get over there and I got to meet this person and I got to fly back. Then I got to, you know, you're doing this repetitively can get very costly. So she'd figured out a long time ago, I'm just going to figure out these events. So the one that we would go to, the church would go to and help and assist with was the Iditarod race. Um, but it's a white man's race. Natives do not care about it. They have, they don't compete in it normally. They just, whatever it came about in the seventies. Really? And there's a, <clears throat> a little bit of an ironic thing came back because of uh, diphtheria, if I remember correctly, where they were bringing medicine. Yes. And so it was a dog race. And so there's a couple movies that have come out like about Balto? it. Balto. Yeah. Balto's yes, exactly. Problem, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and the dogs are that cute. Just go ahead. In case you're wondering, they are really cute dogs. <laughs> but um so it kind of became a race out of that but like most things it became a sport and so there's sponsors and all that <clears throat> well the other thing that happens in Nome because that's the end of the Iditarod race is there's this basketball tournament again what Alaskan person plays basketball it makes no sense there's <laughs> snow everywhere and everything else too but one thing that the state of Alaska has done is put in gymnasiums at each one of these villages so they can play basketball year round because if it's frozen outside, some they get to do. Mm-hmm. They are surprisingly good. They're not very tall, but they're amazing, wow. you know. And so there would be thirty or forty teams, all these different villages that play in this basketball tournament. So I think when I first started going, it's the fortieth one, and then you know, obviously forty first, second, third, and um, all these villages was, was would compete, and so. Brenda Krim got to where she was able to do, because that's the other thing too. I guess I'll give a little bit of backstory. Natives, um, like the Inuit and the other native cultures that are up there, they're used to white men um, taking things or people coming in and taking things. I was going to say, like coming in and just taking over. Right. And so I don't know if anybody ever watches any of the Discovery channels, but there's the Bering Sea Gold. Mm-hmm. Well, that's based out of Nome. So it's where all the gold deposits kind of come in and you can get it off the beaches, public area. So people come in and they take the gold, right? People come in and they take their fishing. So there's kind of that, it's very hard. It's a very tight knit community. So it's very hard to gain trust. And so she's going up there. She's going up there. I mean, the first couple of years she would do Bible in a bucket, you know, and that was the thing that you did. You just walked around with everybody needs a five gallon bucket. It's like, cause Everything up there is very expensive. I mean, it's, I think <clears throat> gas was like seven or eight bucks oh, wow. years ago before it's really expensive now. But I mean, gallon of milk was 10 bucks, you know, this is pre-inflation. So think when, get, think when milk was $2, you know what I mean? It would be like 10 bucks. So it was drastically more expensive. 
because everything has to be shipped up there. And it can only be shipped up at certain times or it's planed up. I got it. Okay. Right. Yeah, just the, yeah, just the cost is astronomical. Exactly. That makes sense. So, um, so she would try and do different things to get into the community. Well, she was allowed to get in to where she could do the concession stand um, at this basketball tournament because they would – another backstory, sorry, but one thing about uh, – so the Inuit people and the, the Eskimo people, I'll just say that because I kind of classify as all of them um, – like Native Americans, they cannot synthesize alcohol the same. So if they get one or two drinks in it, they're completely inebriated, don't know what they're doing. Wow. Um, and so Miller Lite used to be the sponsor for this basketball tournament, which was not good. <laughs> oh my so you can imagine like people in the stands are fighting and all this kind of stuff. No way, really? Yeah. So um, the community, being that Brenda Cram was coming up every year and all that stuff, they she asked us where she could do the uh, concession stands. So she was able to slowly get in the community to do that. So she started just offering um, healthier options. I'll say it that way, like power aids and stuff like that. And um, different kind of things like, you know, fries or um, what's the other stuff we could make waffles and not waffles, um, pretzels. And uh, so we were able to start to get into the community that way. And then the thing that she does with, so we go up there and we would volunteer um, to work at this concession stand. And then when we were doing it, we would generate anywhere from ten to $15,000 for that two week period of time. And then she donates that to the local women's and children's um, kind of like safe house. Um, so something about Nome too, it's like one of the northernmost cities. Normally it's about uh, 3,500 people. And then, like, when the Iditarod comes in, it swells up to, like, 12,000 people. Because all the natives come in to do this basketball tournament. And then all the other people come up for the end of the Iditarod race. So, you have a just a mecca of people that are there. Right. And so, it's also a, a hub for, uh, like, Ryanair and a couple other uh, Bering Air, different airports and stuff, too. They just come back. It's like the it can accept the 757 plane in Nome. They can't really go much north than that gotcha. unless they have a major airport. So the um, so there's a shelter there in the sense that if any abused uh, mom or wife wants to be able to get away, they have a kind of a safe house there and a one-way ticket that they can kind of get to where they're just in a safe house there. And then that group of people will kind of work with them to, what do you need to do, you know? they're trying to escape some kind of abuse. Um, and I guess that was one of the shocking things for me is realizing how much abuse is going on in Alaska. Hmm. <clears throat> almost in the sense that, um, from what Brenda was telling us that there's almost a hundred percent like sexual abuse within the home, um, oh in these gosh. communities. And it's a perpetual one. To where something was probably done to them, you know, 40 or 50 years. It's a small community. It's mm -hmm. not like you have people, you know, or other outside influences. And so it just gets perpetuated and perpetuated. They probably grew up with it. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, wow. It's hard knowing that and then seeing somebody. Number one, if you see a kid, do you even imagine what they could be going through? And two, meeting a person and having to show them the love of Christ and not wanting to, right? Yeah. You know, How do you tear face, into them? Or like, yeah, face an adult knowing right. what 
they may be doing to these children. Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. Yeah. So that's, I was not, I guess, prepared or knew that that's why we went up there for one of the main reasons that going to church for year for years, I just thought it was because we were going to go help out and I did a ride race, which we do um, in that community, but that's not the main reason that we go up there. So you had kind of, you felt kind of inside, like you were almost like wanting to like confront some of these people that live there. Now, what, now when you guys were there though, I mean, obviously like you're bringing Bibles and like spreading the word of God, or it was more of like, we're going to go help and be Christ-like. And if they're interested, they reach out. So it every year there's something it's, it's almost like the more that she would show up and that was the thing that she always expressed to us too is just it's just being consistent so um i don't remember her mission statement verbatim but it's basically to to leave them wanting to know there's something different about you right show the love of christ and leave them wanting to know what that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people um want to go on a mission trip to just do something good maybe it's check a box or something to say that oh yeah i went I uh, helped build something or I helped do this and I'm, I've done it. Um, one of the things that she does consistently too, and, and having gone five years that I was able to see this, I guess too, and you don't always get to see everything. And I don't think anybody that goes on a mission trip should expect to see anything. Um, it should just be kingdom focused and trying to further the kingdom. But we were trying to just be consistent in the things that we were doing and every year it would seem like we would break down some barriers or break down some walls or we able to do more and additional things. Um, like one night after, um, the game had ended and all that stuff, we'd help clean up the gymnasium and all that kind of stuff too. And so I'm sweeping the floors and seeing, um, there, we had a kind of a director of projects, uh, named Dallas, uh, Jenkins or Scott Jenkins. I'm sorry. And, he'd been going up there for 20 years. Right. And so he's gotten to know a lot of the local people knew them by name. And I'm sitting there just sweeping up popcorn and all that other kind of stuff. And I see him off to the distance leading him to Christ. Wow. And so I was just sweeping the floor. Right. But the fact that we're just consistently there doing that, you get to see those things happen and see those things played out. Um, And there was years where I would get to know a person or two. And then you see him the next year and they're like, Oh, Hey, it's that same guy. And then you can kind of get to where you get a little bit of a rapport, ask them how they're doing and that kind of thing too. Makes so sense. it was really neat to see that kind of stuff happen though. Right. Rather than going there, trying to beat them with these Bibles. Right. You're just being like, Hey, I'm going to be consistently here. I'm going to have a servant's heart. I'm just going to not take anything. I'm just, I'm just here to serve, here, here to, to help. help. Yep. yep. Yeah. Showing up with help. Yep. And there's, there was so many different opportunities for different people. Uh, Will Ferber and it went with us, mm-hmm. um, Jennifer uh, Skipper, who also goes to our church too, had went, and uh, Greg Batto. There's many, many other people that have gone in the past, but it was always unique to see that each person has their own unique gift um, and see something come up to where that particular gift is, is able to be played out, you know, in that community and stuff too. So that was really interesting to see. That is awesome. And you mentioned Will Fairburn. We had him on um I don't know how many episodes ago, but uh, my kids told me they overheard a story about a glacier. Something oh, about falling night? through. You know, what, what, what is that story? And they were said, cracking up. I yeah. didn't even know what they were saying. Um, that he almost died. 
Which is true. Um, he almost died. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. Not a laughing matter. but He seemed to laugh about it. I didn't laugh about it. But I'll show you the picture after. But Okay. So we. Um, so obviously 2020. The whole world shut down. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that. That was the only um, professional sport going on. Because it's a 10 day race. They start in Anchorage. It's a thousand mile race. I mean, so they had already. I don't even know if you can get COVID in that cold of weather. No, agreed. <laughs> agreed. Right. Nothing with, but okay. they had left, and so they didn't. They they're in the middle of you know wilderness Alaska, so they didn't stop them any. But when we were flying up, I remember being in Seattle, and they had some of the teams uh, that were turning around and weren't going to go. We still went. Um, I mean, we were already planning on it. This doesn't change anything for us. And then. Uh, I guess it was a little bit ironic that the race started with trying to bring a serum, you know, to stop an epidemic. And it was the only one going at the time. That is, that um, is kind of ironic. So that was a little bit ironic. But we, um, so we were able to go and we finished out that and we even went the next year. Um, they did a little bit of a different race the following year um, because it is a local, I mean, Nome is a, a small community that's, you know, further all practical purposes isolated from the world so they didn't want anybody coming in, you know, like people just from all over the U S uh, potentially right, bringing in. Right. So the next year they made a big loop in Alaska and they started from Anchorage and they ended up in Willow. Um, but the, actually the instance that you're talking about was at the end of 2020. So not to mention the world was shutting down, but then we also had a big ice storm. So we got stuck an extra day. And so we ended up in Anchorage waiting on our flight. Um, and so there is, I don't know if you remember, uh, Lyndall Holloway. Why does that sound familiar? He was the executive pastor under Brother Mike years oh, ago. Yes, yes, yes. So I don't know if you ever met her, his sister. No. So his sister moved up there, was a traveling nurse. Um, and actually Lyndall, through his church that he goes to, he goes up there as well too. And so... Um, she lived in Anchorage. We all kind of knew her, you know, and so she agreed to kind of take us around a little bit during the day while we were waiting on our flight and figured out there was this cool glacier that we can go check out. So we did, being that she was a resident, she got us in there like super cheap. And so we're walking around this um, glacier and the guide at the very beginning says, okay, everybody needs to stay on the path because it's the snow covers everything. So you can't tell what's a hole and what's not. And so he puts his arm down through and he, you know, couldn't touch anything. And he's like, if you step off of this, you will fall to your death. And he grabbed a rock and threw it. And it was like seconds before you hear hit anything. So, you know, it's super deep. And he's like, I just, I don't have a long enough rope to carry. I can't rescue you. You know, all this kind of stuff. And you guys so paid for this? To- exactly. I'll, take it, I'll stand right here and watch you go out. Right. So it's, I'll have a long rope back here. And it's not like it's a sidewalk. I mean, it's probably, you know, foot and a half wide. Yeah, oh, no. Right. No, and so, be me. so we're all walking and Will was in the front, um, not like leading the group, but in front of our group. And a couple of times he just turns around. He's like waving at us, you know, and his foot goes off the edge. And just goes all the way down to where he's just on his knee. And we're like, dude, what are you doing? And then he stands up and the other foot goes down. But it's like theoretically teetering on this edge. And we're just like, 
can you not do that? We do not want to die on this trip, you know? And he was just laughing it off and stuff too. And just, I mean, he, thankfully he didn't fall, but he did almost die. Oh my God. But there wasn't a polar bear. He didn't mention a polar bear. He was just embellishing a little bit, but other than that, it was. Yep. Well, there were he from- legitimately almost died. Oh my gosh. So. He said there was a polar bear? And he, I mean, that's what I'm saying. He was embellishing a little bit. But. <laughs> I can imagine. And a polar, the polar bear sorry. was chasing him, and he slipped, and his leg fell. And he was just saying that that would be a great way to die <laughs> if you fell in the crevasse. And maybe there was a polar bear, but there wasn't a polar bear. But he did almost die. Oh, so, well. But he is, he, and that was one of the things too when we were up there. Um, and I mean, y'all hear and see the things that he does in CR. And uh, one of the things that we did too at night, uh, we called a security walk. So we were seeing negative twenty five degrees temperature. Oh my god. Which I don't, if we've not experienced that here. And so it's at sea level. So you get the same kind of humidity and stuff too, as well. Uh, like your nose hairs start to freeze at negative 20. Like you just always feel like you have a booger. I mean, it's just, wow, it's cold. Right. And so there are, I think 13 churches in Nome and there's 13 bars. So, you know, one for every denomination, not really, but there is 13 bars. Oh and so, and they stay open. I mean, this is almost like we could probably, it's almost like a Mardi Gras in a sense because everybody's in town. Got right? it. Okay. And so everybody's wanting to go out. And so we would start these security walks um, at midnight and then we kind of take shifts like midnight to 2.30 and then 2.30 to 5. And we just walk around with flashlights and stuff too, just making sure because a lot of these people, like I said earlier, if they get inebriated, they don't know what they're doing and they could sit down, fall asleep. And just never like wake freeze, up again. Yeah, freeze right? to death. Okay. And then this is all on Front Street, which the Bering Sea is right there. And it's wow. frozen over at this time when we go. And so I might just wander off there, you know, and yeah, no. never be heard of again. Um, and also just a little bit of safety, too. You know, if we saw maybe a woman, you know, inebriated and somebody trying to follow around or something like that, too. So we would kind of walk around and do these things. Well, they ended up having this another church that was there had what they call nest and they would open up at 9 PM and let everybody come inside. And then they couldn't bring in alcohol or anything, but if they were inebriated, they still let them in and they'd feed them a meal and then they'd have to leave in the morning. And so that was one thing that will was like, this is my jam, you know? And I mean, like he would go in there, became friends with everybody and all that kind of stuff too. And so it was, that's not my jam. I realized that very early on. So, that wasn't something that I did, but when I was there, we were, there's other opportunities to do different things when you're there. So it's not like, again, you may think I hate dogs. I don't want to go on this trip. You don't have to help out with the dog trip, you know, or with the dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these different kind of areas. Even if you're like, I don't like being around people. I don't want to sell candy or whatever. You can be in the kitchen yep. helping prepare food. Like there's always something that you can kind of do no matter what your ministry gifts are. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Now, will there, are there going to be more Alaska mission trips in the future? Or So I will say that from my understanding, the church is looking into that um, right now. We, uh, I'll say with different regulations that were kind of coming down, it kind of caused a stalemate for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that was leading it, I had led it once after uh, Greg Bado had, but then Brenda Krim was asking me to help lead when I was there. So it didn't really work out for me to lead a group and be a leader over there. And so, um, Jenny Skipper was leading the last two that we went on 
as our group leader and she was finishing uh, another degree. And so it kind of fills it out a little bit because we do have to have somebody that kind of wants to own it and lead it and everything else too. But I would be uh, very interested in going back again. So hopefully the, the Iditarod Trail Committee um, had also asked for some additional regulations for people to go. And so it, multiple things that kind of made it fizzle out for a minute, but Brennan Crump's still going. Uh, wow. We still support her at the church too. I mean, if you see that on the big give uh, when we were doing all that too, she gets, she's one of our ministry partners. Man, she's doing some amazing work. Yeah. She is. I like that she's like giving them better options at the concessions mm-hmm. and then also donating that money. It's like yep, two birds. It is. That is awesome. I love that. Yeah, and she's been consistent in showing up for 20 plus years. You know, Definitely. So I'm sure they look forward to seeing her at mm-hmm. this point, at least some of the people. No, they do. Uh, we even had a, a the first year I went. I uh, forget her name at the moment, but uh, she had just escaped um, a bad situation. Uh, and actually, when a few weeks prior to that, she had um, was still dealing with alcoholism and given birth in her sweatpants, didn't realize she'd given birth kind of thing. And so her kids were kind of taken away from her. This was the first year I went in 2017. Um and so the last year that I went, got to see her. She has her own house now. Oh. She has a job now. She just gotten a promotion. We got to watch her get baptized. Like, again, I don't expect to see these things happen. And I wouldn't say don't expect these things to see those kind of things happen. But mm-hmm. to see the impact of going there and everything else for the kingdom and just seeing how those things get to play out was really cool to see. Um, I wish I could remember her name, but. That's really amazing. This has been very eye-opening for me. I was not aware of that. Were you? Absolutely. No, you, I was. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I know things about Alaska, but I didn't realize that the, those were the circumstances, you know, that mm-hmm. the things that you brought out. I, mm-hmm. I was kind of in the same thought process whenever Stephanie said, yeah, we're going to talk to Blaze. He does Alaska mission trips. And I'm just like, I mean, do they go out and help them catch fish. Like I didn't know. Yeah. So this has really been interesting for me. It's the uh, highest state that has the highest suicide rates too. No way. Teenage suicides. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that in the Northern part, they do have months and months of darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's probably like feeding into maybe like depression and, and things like thing. that. Because yeah. I know I, I struggle when, and this just sounds so minor to, you know, there are months of darkness. But when when we get to that daylight savings and it's dark at five, I'm not a fan, not a fan of that. I, no. I like the sunlight. I like the daylight. So I can't imagine going that long without sunlight. It's just dark, you know? Yep. That's a whole different world. Yeah. And again, it. Not every place is, um, I don't feel called for Haiti. I'll just say that. Just, mm-hmm. Then I know that Alaska is cold. Uh, we do make sure that you stay warm though, <laughs> with proper clothing and everything else. I did say negative 25 and it is cold, but I don't want you to think you're going to get frostbitten or anything too. So we well, do make sure everybody's, you know. Yeah, we'll provide a picture as proof. Yeah, Blaze, Blaze still has his nose, even though his nose hair is froze. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. They fall. Yeah, out. he looks fine. He looks. <laughs> he, he looks all right. He looks good. He looks He's recovered fine. just fine. <laughs> He's 
I did it used to have a full head of hair. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> Beggars can't be choosers, That's right? right? That's right. <laughs> That's funny. So do they like provide their own, like you just have to like go get your own winter gear? That Correct. Okay. But w- when we do the trip, uh, we start early. Like we'll go the... It does coincide with the idea to ride a race, which typically is roughly around uh, March 10th. Nice is kind of when we start to get there. And we're usually there for St. Patrick's Day, um, just kind of how it works out. But we'll start in September, getting everybody signed up. And we start having mission meetings and everything else, too, to where yeah. you'll have plenty of time to get the gear um, and make sure that you're properly clothed. Wow. I know that's probably hard to find that kind of gear around here. Yeah. You do have to order it on Amazon or wherever. Yeah. Because like growing up in West Virginia, we had harsh winters, lots of snow. So we had snowsuits, boots. We had like the right kind of gloves, you know? And so here it's like my kids get like one little pair of cloth gloves because you don't really, sometimes you don't even need them at all. And so when we have on that off chance had like a little bit of snow ice slash whatever that is every five years yeah um they try to like play with the the snow and the ice and their hands are just so cold because their gloves are soaked and it's like they asked me like man how did you do i'm like we didn't have gloves like that we had like they were like kind of waterproof so it was different and i i had to wear snow boots to school and then i would change at sneakers like into my sneakers at Mm. school because i mean it was just so much snow five miles uphill both ways. It yeah. was six and a half. Okay. No, <laughs> you were close. Yeah. Uh, but no, so I was I was used to that. And so when I first moved here and it would it was way too hot for me. I'm like, this is this is miserable. I don't know what I am doing here. And um when it would drop down to like thirty, I would wear like jeans and a sweater. I was like, it's feeling pretty good now. I like it. And it was like all the Cajuns were so cranky. I'm like, what is their problem? They're so cranky. But then after a few years, I have like fully acclimated. I don't like the cold anymore. It makes me cranky. Mm. I'm like, I just want hot weather. I can't do this anymore. I still like the cold. You do? Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah. Not me. I mean, even the church is too cold. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sunday mornings, I'm like, let's get some gloves or something. No, I'm very sensitive to the cold now. I don't know. I lost it. But it used to be like negative four, and I'd be at my bus stop with my big old coat and my, what's that guy, uh, the little boy on Christmas Story? Yeah, that was you. What was his name, Timmy? Was it Timmy? I don't remember. Looking like the Michelin man walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, We had to do that. There you go. Um. So, um, Blaze, is there anything um, additional that you could let us know, like what's going on in the last couple of mission trips where you've seen some new things take place? Or Yeah, so um, kind of what came out of that when I was talking about the, uh, the lady that got, bapti- got baptized, um, one thing they've been able to do as well is do like some women com- women conferences um, and kind of, I know we don't really do it here and it might be slightly different but they have a freedom in christ um movement that they've kind of been doing with the different natives and stuff to wow. the local people that are there because um, like i said earlier most of them have been exposed to or you know been part of some kind of abuse um either growing up either with potentially their you know father or with a spouse and so um we don't go 
for the uh, women's because it usually happens in January, but we get to kind of see some of the highlights of it and hear the things that happen about it too. And then um, see the fruits of it. I'll say that way to where they're leading um, all these different native people through this freedom in Christ and getting to see them. I guess it's almost like a CR up there, but it's not, you know, they're not meeting every week and everything else too, but it's kind of that a similar type thing to where they're able to not be defined by what's happened to them you know Mm -hmm. and uh so being able to see that kind of aspect too that was more of the recent things that have been happening the last couple years that um again we weren't a part of but getting to see that was really great too um so that's great yeah that's beautiful i love that they're doing that up there it sounds like it's very much needed Mm -hmm. for sure that's very interesting and it could be something that we could be a part of it's just one of the things too um, that I do love about the Bayou is, if you want to see change and you feel led to be it, then be it. Don't wait on the church to do it. Just yeah. get involved with it, and you know they're very eager to come alongside people that you know feel called or feel passionate to do something and help facilitate I have it. That. Yeah, I have noticed that. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things I like to. So that happens in January, you said. Yes. And it's like a women's mm-hmm. thing. Wow. And which city was that in? That? That's in Nome as well. It's too. still in Nome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. I feel like I should be like praying for that. Yeah. I could put you in touch with Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> I could get some snowsuits for my kids. There no. you go. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. They would, no, they would love to go see. They'd love to go see the snow, honestly. Yeah. But I know, well, I'm not saying I'm really going to bring my kids, but that was a joke, but they really... They wouldn't turn me down. They'd love it. There you go. Well, Blaze, seriously, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come. And I know when we walked in, a lot of the staff was so excited that you were going to be on. So I think they're eager to hear this episode and what you have to say. So well, I appreciate it and happy to help in any way. Thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Man, I really learned a lot from what Blaze was saying. Um, I was pretty shocked by some of it, too. Same. I think that he had a very powerful message, and he brought a lot of things to light that I was completely unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very thankful that he gave us some time today to me, share his message with me us. Me, too. Me, too. That was really great hearing from him. Um, you guys, don't forget about Worship Night this Thursday, February 29th. You can find Stephanie and I there Thursday night if you want to meet with us. If not, we'll see you Sunday behind the counter. 